If Beale Street Could Talk is a 2018 Harlem-based movie. A young couple's life is shattered in this film, a film based on a 1974 book by James Baldwin. A husband responded when a sexual aggressor hit on his wife, was sent to jail by a prejudicial cop. Please take a look at this seven-second clip from its trailer. We've known Bonnie all his life. He's about to pay for something he didn't do. That's it. If we move to our compassionate self, we see what happened. A husband gone, family life disrupted, and an in utero child being raised without a father. Our theme for May is curiosity. The linguistic stem for curiosity is the Latin word curiosus, meaning careful, diligent, inquisitive. Care and careful have the same root, curiosus, which suggests that there is an intention to curiosity, a sense of purpose about it. One of these intentions is, I think, furthering our education. As Derek Jackson, Director of Education for the Unitarian Universalist Ministers Association wrote, I seek to learn because our world is hurting. I seek to learn because people have different needs. I seek to learn because there is so much that I do not know. I seek to learn because I seek to grow. I seek to learn because that is how I choose to live. In that learning spirit, today's curiosity is directed at an egregious societal system the school-to-prison pipeline. Now, my curiosity about this pipeline grew when I lived in Louisiana. 66% of Louisiana's prisoners are African-American, although they are just 31.8% of the population. And there are 1,052 prisoners for every 100,000 people in Louisiana. 1% are going to jail. Washington imprisons less than half that number, 480 per 100,000. So I have a few stories for you about experiences in our household that relate to the difficulties with imprisonment. 50 years ago, back in 1969, Shirley moved to Baton Rouge as a VISTA volunteer. Soon thereafter, three African-American organizers, young men who started a school lunch program and registered voters, were charged with attempting to murder the mayor. One of them had just followed along while an informant led a conversation, and that informant taped the visit they had. 
two indigenous VISTA workers sp spent uh, several months in jail. Their, churches, their charges were dropped when VISTA hired a Washington, D.C. attorney. The third, who is not in VISTA, is still in prison. Fifty years after a brief visit with an informant, former military person, someone who was facing charges or would be set free. A young New Orleanian told me that men should avoid going out with an attractive girlfriend. He said, a cop might think, if I send him to jail, I can date her. This is not true in my world. It is in his. And then the third story, during a check-in at a UU social justice meeting in New Orleans, grandmother said, I have a concern that is not shared by any of you here. I have three grandsons, all good kids, hardworking, friendly, but every night they leave the house, I have to say a prayer. I never know what might happen to them. Still, despite knowing these stories, my old white guy response to the school-to-prison pipeline was, are you saying our schools are selecting students to send to jail? This query is answered in Ijuima Uluo's So You Want to Talk About Race. Her book is delightful and direct. Its eighth chapter is, What is the School-to-Prison Pipeline?, which is also the title of today's message. And this chapter begins with a story about Sagan's school day. According to the letter from his school, his mom forwarded to me, Sagan was having a very bad day. He had pushed one teacher, struck two others, refused to listen to instructions, refused to stay in his classroom, was mimicking holding a gun in his hand and pointing it at students, had assaulted teachers, threatened students, and, and would be suspended. A school board member argued that charges should be filed against him. Her son assaulted two staff members, the email said. The staff member also noted that Sagan's mom, Natasha, was not interested in discussing the matter, that it seemed like she just couldn't be bothered. I read this letter, says Oluo, still quoting, thinking, wow, Sagan is a threat to his school. Multiple assaults and disruptions all in one day. A suspension seems, if anything, light. I began questioning why Natasha, whom I had run into at a community gatherings but did not know well, had been so dismissive when confronted by school officials with her son's violent behavior. End quote. I, when I read this, agreed with Oluo. Sagan was a threat 
a real threat. But then I read further. Sagan's day had started out poorly, but his teacher had not talked to him, had not asked what was wrong, and responded with punishment. Unfortunately, Sagan became angrier when he was punished. This led to more punishment, which led to more anger. Now, his mom had prearranged to pick up Sagan early. They had an appointment to go to and was shocked when told Sagan had assaulted staff and teachers. As a mother, an educator, and a black woman, she was fully aware what assaulted can mean when you describe the behavior of black boys, says Oluo. Now here's the thing. Sagan was in kindergarten when suspended for multiple assaults, threatening students, his classmates, with a finger gun. Oluo wrote that she has also been hit by five-year-olds and it is not okay. There are consequences, a timeout followed by a long discussion, but it is not assault. Why? I'm a 36-year-old adult who's not going to be irreparably harmed by the blows of someone barely out of toddlerdom. And I understand that young children are, well, young children. <laughs> Oluo turns to some statistical data after this story. She notes that 16% of grade and high school students are black, that 31% of suspended students are black, that 40% of expelled students are black, and 70% of arrested students are black. Suspensions, expulsions, and arrests lie at the origin of the school-to-prison pipeline. That one happens leads to the other. Suspended children are more likely to get into trouble, have difficulty with their homework, and they will face harassment when they return to school. In addition, suspensions destroy a student's trust in teachers. Can you imagine that happening? At the same time, undermine a person's sense of self-esteem, often they lead to further suspensions, expulsions, and arrests. Why then do suspensions happen? There are many contributing factors to the disenfranchisement and criminalization of our youths in schools, says Oluo, and then she lists a few of them, and I am going to quote for a bit here. First, the racial bias of school administration as school administrators, race is a deciding factor of how students are disciplined. The punitive level of school discipline is correlated with how many black children are in school, not with what many would expect 
the level of drug or delinquency problems at a school. Second, the racial bias of teachers. Teachers are more likely to look for trouble in black and brown children, says Oluo. I add here that well-meaning white teachers, and there are many of them, have also been shown to punish black and brown students more harshly than they do their white students. Third, a lack of cultural sensitivity for black and brown children. The vast majority of teachers are white females. Many are unfamiliar with and not trained to work with the ways in which black and brown children interact with each other and with adults. I note as a sidebar that in New Orleans, the African-American population mourned when they took the African-American teachers out of the schools and replaced them with young white teachers coming from all parts of the country after Hurricane Katrina. They mourned that it was not their people teaching their kids. Fourth, a pathologizing of black children. While black children are no more likely than children of other races to have developmental or learning disabilities, they are the most likely to be placed in special education programs. Students of color are labeled disabled, who are labeled disabled are more likely by 31% to be suspended and expelled, 31%. Fifth, zero tolerance policies. The fear of violent black and brown youth led to the rise of zero tolerance policies in the 90s. The Gun-Free Schools Act of 1994 mandated a year-long suspension for kids caught bringing a weapon to school, and schools have identified weapons as guns, knives, camping forks, and finger guns. Sixth, an increased police presence in schools. Along with these zero tolerance policies came a rising number of police officers known as school resource officers, SROs, in schools. Imagine this. Schools with SROs have nearly five times the in-school arrests of schools without SROs. I add that there are more SROs in inner city schools than elsewhere. Also, I add that these six factors, when taken together, contribute to a system designed as a pipeline from school to prison. A pipeline from school to prison. Prejudice pervades American society. Lewis says its origination for most black and brown kids is found in our schools. Is it possible to address this? Possible to affirm the inherent worth of every person to promote justice, equity, and compassion in this community? 
Olua, who has eight suggestions, I quote her on the first two only. Include the school-to-prison pipeline in discussions of racial inequality and oppression. In other words, begin at the beginning. Too often, the school-to-prison pipeline is discussed in academic and activist circles, but it is an issue that touches countless children of color and their white friends. It is deeply interconnected with issues discussed often, deeply connected with police brutality, mass incarceration, the wage gap. Second, talk to your students and school boards. Even if you do not have black or brown children, ask your schools what their disciplinary pro procedures are, the rate of suspension and expulsion for black and Latinx students, the racial achievement gap for their school and what they plan to do about it. This should be a top priority for all schools, but it only will be if we make it an issue they cannot ignore. So, this church, North Lake Unitarian Universalist Church, has been involved with the push for diversity and diversity training in Kirkland. During the week, this sanctuary is filled with people from all corners of the earth, all faiths, colors, are here. But let us wonder here together. Have North Lakers taken a similar step with your schools? Is there anyone, perhaps there is, perhaps I do not know, but does anyone attend school board meetings? Could that happen? Could a UU or two or three or four, emboldened by our principles, go there to hold your school boards to account? Could you ask and continue to ask, how do you treat the black and brown children in our schools? The school to prison pipeline is a challenge throughout American society. It is also present here. Could some focus on the school to prison pipeline in Kirkland, the east side, not only through work at school boards, but also says Aluo, and here I turn to their final six and I just list them, to take steps to recognize the achievements of black and brown children to normalize black and brown children, to challenge language of stereotypes, black and brown kids, to discuss deeper causes of defiant and antisocial behavior in black and brown youth, some of it being the history of what has happened in the past, to don't erase disabled black and brown youth, disabled ones, don't erase them, and challenge the legitimacy of white-centered education. So it was a single chapter in a Lewis book that led 
to this message. The book also contains Alua's reply to any curiosity you might have about discussing race the wrong way, about privilege, about intersectionality, police brutality, affirmative action, the N-word, and more. A discussion of this book will begin tomorrow at 7 p.m. You do not have to read it first. If you do, great. If not, you can still participate. Justice, we know, does not apply itself equally, has not, is not, and may be in greater danger today than for some time. African Americans do not receive justice in the same way as other Americans do. You heard this in the three stories from my house, saw it in the brief clip from If Beale Street Could Talk. Sadly, this system of injustice begins at school. Could you address this? Any of you, all of you, can you push for this change too? May the love in your hearts find love in the hearts of those around you. Namaste.